Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Dr. Carla Bidoc-Dadian. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Der Narek, the pastor of St. Sarkis Church, along with our co-host, Mr. Veh Buzdigian. Let us start our show with a prayer from In Faith I Confess. Hor imastutyuna Jesus, imastutyun durinzi, vor pari paner chorim, chosim, yev kordzem ku archevet. Amen jam. Char chorutnere, choskere yev kordzere pergezis. Եվ ողորմեքու արարածներուտ եւ ինձի բազմամեղիս Jesus wisdom of the father grant me wisdom that i may at all times think speak and do before you that which is good in your sight and save me from evil thoughts words and deeds have mercy upon your creatures and upon me great sinner that i am Welcome back, Dead Hide. Thank you, Ve. It's almost the end of the month, and we're happy that we are doing a podcast before the month is over. I see this trend emerging. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a good trend, but uh, hopefully our audience will be uh, comfortable with it. Hey, listen, it's working for us. I hope it works for our audience right. also. So I said, welcome back. You just had a little break. I did. Dead Hide is getting opportunity to go on vacations, too. Uh, where'd you go? Tell us a little bit about it. We went to a ski trip in Camelback, Pennsylvania. Um, it was really fun. Um, my biggest achievement was that um, I did not fall uh, throughout the two at days all. at all that I was That's skiing. That's impressive. I spent good times with friends and um, especially with my kids. So it's very refreshing. And I'm back. I'm really impressed by that, Dad, considering the conditions were so poor. They yeah. were telling me that this it was like 70 degrees out, the snow was melting, and then it got icy. It was so slushy, and then it became tough. icy uh, like uh, very fast, but we managed. It was good. Good. It was good. It's good to take a break, get that. Even if it's a few days, you take a step back, get out of the routine here, and get, you know, separate for a little bit. Absolutely. We, we, we all need that to kind of come back with uh, more energy and continue our work here. Absolutely, and and we're right into it with uh, the Lenten season beginning, and we're into Lent. We're a couple weeks into it at this stage. Yes, tomorrow it's the Sunday of the Prodigal Son, so it's like almost halfway through Lent. Um, I, I like this season. I don't like the fact that the curtain is closed, but I like the liturgy. I like especially the Vesper services. Mm-hmm. So yesterday we had our second Vesper um, service here. Um, the first one was very interesting. We had it with our <coughs> Sultan Lath members, mm-hmm. the Youth uh, Club of St. Sarkis Church. And we, we finished our meetings, and then we went to church, and we had our uh, Vesper service. We tried to keep it very short so that 
the children or the youth who were participating, they, they also are engaged. So we sang all in one hymn, Nayat Sirov, and then we all said Havadov uh, Chostovanim together. Mm-hmm. And it sounded really cool to have the kids, the, the youth, participating, saying the prayers of Subnar Seshnor Hali, um, written almost a thousand years ago. Um, that was really inspiring for me, and I hope that they are or they were exposed to the prayers for the first time, and uh, they will kind of be encouraged to learn more about about their faith. Do you go through a little workshop with them beforehand before you actually, you know, uh, start reciting the prayers? Of or course, I, tell, I gave explain them, to them what it's I, all about. I try to explain to them, and um, I hope it it helped them. But it w- it was a long session, you know. They came here, they had their social thing, and then they went into their groups. And I have to tell you that this. Um, the Sultan Light, which is kind of run by the Armenian Prelacy's Youth Ministry um, program, mm-hmm. we are implementing the program that you, you and I, and uh, the committee members and Ani Ovanesian work together to create, is being implemented here. And the kids want to come back because they're having fun, they're learning new stuff. And it's not only about, you know, obtaining new information and knowledge, but it's also about the setup, which encourages them to make friendships, and that is really important. So it's going pretty well. Um, so after it's that, so innovative, that I just want to comment on that. Considering as a child, as a teenager, I never had opportunity or occasion to come to church mm-hmm. other than for services for Badarak and for, for special events. So I think that would have kept me closer to the church where I wouldn't have had this significant separation, which I think for my generation is the most commonplace, where after you're done with Saturday school, Sunday school, you kind of separate. And then after college, you're in your professional life as a single person. Then you get married, Mm -hmm. and the church brings you back in that married life. And we've been very involved myself. I could speak for myself since that point, sure. but I would have probably not have felt such a gap personally with, from the church had I, had I had that opportunity. Now, I don't think that our program will make the participants kind of bulletproof. No. I think some of them will go, will, will, will um, disappear, but hopefully some will come back. Some will stay and never leave. But what we're trying to give them is that the sense of faith that is that will be their own faith, not something that you know it's learned or given to them by their parents or by the priest, but something that they discover on their own, and it becomes their own faith. Mm-hmm. Because it's so easy for them as they're growing up and examining everything to kind of get rid of something that sounds very childish to them. But with this, the hope is to have a more mature sense of understanding of what is the relationship that we want to cultivate with God. And hopefully that will guide them throughout uh, their journey of life. One more question for you. Do you find that the the level of dialogue, now that you've been doing it for over a year now, it's been a year, a year year and change, correct? Sure. Um, You find that it's become a little more, uh, I guess, a little more sophisticated? In terms of their analysis or their engagement on on uh, spiritual issues, the engagement is there, and you know it's it's very interesting. Michael Gostanian, who is another facilitator, he and I were having this conversation. So the questions, the way that they are formed, it goes from silly questions mm. to deeper questions. When the, the silly question uh, are asked, the kids are you know 
are acting out, they're out of control, and you're like concerned, how's this going to go? But then you see them when we start asking the serious questions, like everyone is kind of engaged, mm-hmm. and they want to share their perspectives and learn from each other, and I find that really encouraging. So I'm sensing a sense of growth there, but it's too soon to say that you know we're doing it. Right, so right. Slowly, is, you're making steps. It's a pilot project. Well, it, re- it reminds me back of my to my uh, AYF days where we would actually be in these meetings and we'd have serious topics of discussion, but then there would always be people goofing off sure. and telling funny stories or, you know, funny comments, but that's being kids. Yeah. I mean, if they don't do that, I'd be like, wow, that's shocking that the kids yeah. are that serious and they're not even looking to, to goof off every now and again. Absolutely. This is not a seminary. We are that's not right. cre- creating seminarians here, although two seminarians visited us last week, but we're not going to comment on that. But uh, we want them to kind of just be exposed to, to their life of faith. That's all. And the numbers are growing. You know, we started with 30s, now we passed 40. That's that's a good compliment to, to our sure. efforts here. So, salt and lights. That's great. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome and powerful. So, Dead Ida, there's been a lot of other events here as well, not just geared towards the youth and the children. Obviously, we have Saturday school, but uh, why don't you tell us a bit about other activities that have been taking place? Sure, we had Comedy Night. Comedy Night, that's Comedy right. Night. Um, it's been a two-year tradition, so if I wouldn't call it a tradition yet, but uh, a, new, a new concept for St. Saki. A new Saki. concept, and the best uh, new concept of the event was the fact that you performed, and that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> what do you mean? Veh was singing Frank, Sina- Frank Sinatra, Sinatra, right? Yeah, that's right. He yeah. was singing Frank Sinatra. I did a couple of songs. I, you know what? It was an opportunity. It was an opportunity. Uh, my cousin Natalie organized the event, and my wife Arpi helped as well. So in the planning process, we were talking about, she said she's going to bring like a quartet, a musical quartet <laughs> that would play like old popular classics. And I said, hey, would you mind if I sing a couple of songs with them? And they said, she said, absolutely not. Let me ask the band. Oh, okay. And so they were very important. fine. It wasn't, it, it wasn't planned per se, but it was something that you know I, I mentioned in passing. And the band was comfortable with it. I did a couple of songs, a couple of practice songs to start off. And they were comfortable. So we, we went with it. And nice. I think it went okay. I stumbled during one song, the third I, I thought I was only going to sing two songs. And then we got into a third song. And uh, I hadn't really rehearsed it much, so I stumbled a little bit in that third song. But otherwise, I but I think you got a gig now with that band. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) They've been together for like twenty years, but they were very gracious, and I was grateful for the opportunity. They're pretty good. 
So the other thing was St. Sarkis Name Day celebration. We had mm-hmm. Oshagan Serpazan celebrating the Divine Liturgy, and then we had the banquet. You were the MC. I was. It was Saint I think Sarkis. the church is getting sick of seeing me behind the microphone. No, they're not. <laughs> Saint Sarkis name day, and also Saint Super um, Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. So, um, but it went it went pretty well. Moshe um, Gansarpazan uh, acknowledged and honored a big group of people from various auxiliary organizations, and that was very nice. We had people from the school, from the choir, from uh, different organizations being honored and uh I, I thought that it was a pretty good event it was great i enjoyed it and i thought uh to me the icing on the cake was debbie with her uh couple, performance. couple of performances yeah. uh she actually did one at uh you know uh, uh, sort of impromptu without uh, any enc- preparation encore, encore yeah. performance we, yeah. put, we called her back up she was really outstanding sure yeah. so i think everybody enjoyed like the, the combination of some really thoughtful speeches, uh, presentations of certificates, and a musical per, uh, performance, which was great. Absolutely. And then we had the Faith, Family, and Fun event a few weeks ago on Saturday. Um, I can speak about my part, which was with the adults, the parents, and we started something that is called marriage enrichment. Um, and the first part of it was marriage as a, as a process. And we tried to examine changes that we go through. I think everyone was very engaged. They mm-hmm. liked the presentation. They liked the practical aspects of it. And hopefully we'll continue. Maybe we'll change the setting um, so that we can have this in one or two uh, sessions because we all can uh, benefit from this. We can look at our marriages and hopefully change things and... Uh, reflect on how things are going for us in order for us to live that sacrament in a way that God intends for us to live it. It's a very relevant topic that I think for all of us, especially those of us who are relatively new to the married life Mm -hmm. the last 10, 15 years or so, and recognizing that marriage is a process and it's a relationship that can sometimes go awry Mm -hmm. um, and probably doing this kind of, I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to participate, but I would think this would be beneficial for those of us who want to maintain those positive anchors in our in our married life and to prevent change, problems. Sure, problems. and change the things that are not working for us because we all have things that are not working for us, but we need to address them and implement proper change. That's right. And the youth. The kids got involved. They had their own uh, breakouts. Yes, they did. Uh, one group was with um, Sonia. Sonia Nanejian, and the other group was with my wife, Yeretz Kidani, and uh, it was overwhelming. They had a lot more sure. children sure. than I, than the adults that I was working with. But I'm guessing Sonia's group had some spirited discussions as well. Kids be a little more expressive than the little ones who it's more. I think like Sonia's a, group was the younger kids. Oh, Sonia had the little ones. The little ones. I got you. And my yeah. wife had uh, the, te- the teenagers. What did Yes. And she, she she was happy. She They spoke about family, and they spoke about values that sustain a family. And she was surprised how engaged the kids were and um, the level of participation and the maturity that they that they demonstrated. With Sonia, it was a little bit more difficult managing all well, the kids. Well, they're little ones. I thought it was the other way around. And yeah. she had nice crafts for them, and everyone was engaged. And then we came to the church, and it, this was on the Saturday, right before Pumpar Gentan, 
and we had a little service here during the service we closed the curtain the way that it was supposed to go mm. so the curtain the curtain of the altar is closed on the Saturday before Pumpari again then so the um, my son Hofsep and Vahan Gostanian, the two of them went, went all the, on the altar and they closed the curtain. Hmm. So uh, it was good. It was nice. Explaining. You know, we talk a lot about events here at the church, but I think things like this, when you talk about programs that are geared towards developing our both our spiritual life and our connection to the church, the Armenian church, right. uh, they're incredibly valuable. And it's something that's sustainable. It's not something that's just... Okay, you're here for an event, like you come to St. Sadki's name day celebration, you go home and it's over. Right. In this case, whether it's Faith Family Fun or having uh, the Salt and Light program, this is something that I think you're developing, which mm-hmm. you know I applaud both uh, St. Sadki's Church and also the prelacy more broadly for looking to institute these types of programs throughout the church. Events are important to kind of uh, sustain us financially and to bring us together so that we can have that social interaction together. But if you want a church to grow, that church has to have programs. That's right. That's what we're trying to do, to maintain a balance between programs and events so that everyone is engaged. And programs that are substantive. You could have programs, but if they're not really drawing people in to start sort of being more introspective and helping them develop their spiritual lives and their life and their relationship with God then you know it's it's good time together it's great fellowship but you know you're not cultivating that real learning um and i you know it's good that we're continuing to move in that direction thank you Gerard, we speak about events here coming up at the church, and one that I think is very noteworthy. It's not a typical church-based religious event, but it's something that's very important for our community to get behind. Uh, We are going to be hosting a one-day presentation for the Armenian Wounded Heroes Fund. Uh, It's co-sponsored between St. Sarkis Armenian Church and the AYF Hayortik chapter. It's going to be on Sunday, March 18th at 1.30 p.m. here at St. Sarkis Church after uh, the Divine Liturgy. And there will be a presentation by Razmig Arzumanyan, uh, who will give us a background, a backdrop of the program, uh, give us a rundown of what they are doing, what the funds are going to be used for, and uh, how we can be beneficial and helpful to our brothers and sisters in Karabakh in particular. Also, want to mention, of course, it would not be an Armenian event without some food and some really tasty uh, Lenten treats, which are always 
incredibly enjoyable. There will be the Michink Buffet, which will follow the presentation, um, of course, hosted by our very own Ladies Guild. So, uh, Denhide, anything else you want to tell about the event? I know you've been involved in the planning and preparation, so if you could mention a few thoughts. I think this is a very important event. We are very comfortable here. Um, nobody is threatening our lives, but we have brothers and sisters who are keeping the borders of Arabah, and they need our support, you know, by us coming here and listening to what's happening there and uh, making um, some contributions so that their lives could be saved. We will have less orphans in Armenia and in Gharapagh. I think that would be a noble thing for us to do. And therefore, I encourage all of our listeners to try to make an effort to come to church that day and to support um, the work that is being initiated by the Armenian Wounded Heroes Fund. My guest today is Alain Spadatarian who came here on the day of her birthday, right? Uh, Happy birthday to you. Thank you. <laughs> the last time we met was back in September in Yerevan. Mm -hmm. And that was a great surprise for me. I was, I did, not, I did not know that you were there. And I thought that you were visiting, but that was not the case. No. <laughs> How long did you stay in Ayastan? Uh, I would say six months, but I'm going to be going back for another four. Okay, why did you stay there for six months? And why are you going back? Uh, well, I'm doing a program called Birthright Armenia, which basically brings diasporan Armenians to their homeland uh, to volunteer, to learn the language, and to understand their culture a bit better. Um, so I guess I wanted to stay for... Originally, I wasn't going to stay that long, but the more I stayed, the more I learned that there was so much more to Armenia and to the people there and to the culture and I just wanted to learn more. Okay. Before we talk about the people and the culture, let's go back. Let's go back to the to the decision-making process. How did you make that decision? What prompted you to kind of be interested in this program and to make that decision? And it's a big step, you know, to, to go there for six months. So tell us a bit about that. Well, I knew for a while that I wanted to go to Armenia and my main purpose originally was just to learn the language because I felt as if I didn't really understand a part of my identity. Growing up, like of course, we went to Armenian school, we went to Armenian church, but I never really understood what exactly it meant to me personally to be Armenian. And I wanted to kind of develop that more. Mm -hmm. And why did you pick this program, the Birthright Armenia program? It seemed like it had everything that I needed, and it was a structured program that had alumni who always spoke about their good experiences. Um, I think the main part that I liked was that they did have free language classes, uh, because again, that was my original purpose, and when I arrived, it changed. So the language piece of it kind of enticed you? Yeah. What, did you, what else did you hear about the program? Mm. Not really much. I probably should have done more research. But Did you have friends who've been on the program? No. You didn't? No. Okay, so this was like a decision that you made not because of some emotional um, connection that a friend of mine has yeah, been there, so no. let me go. You just went, wanted to go and explore yeah. and see what, what is it for you. So, um, when did you arrive to Armenia? Well, the, I, would, I didn't start with Birthright Armenia. I started in... 
June or early July doing a language program, language and culture program at the American University of Armenia. So I think I left around June 26th and arrived the 27th. Was that part of like an exchange program? Or no, something? that was just myself wanting to acclimate to the country. Okay, so you go there in June. Mm -hmm. It's summer, everything is beautiful, yeah. right? <laughs> and then how long was your study at the university? About a month. And then what happened after that? Uh, then I went to the UAE to visit some family for three weeks, and when I returned in mid-September, I began Birthright Armenia. So walk us through the program. What was it uh, for you? What did the program entail? Well, we told them our interests and our professional skills. We gave them our resume, and then they provided us with internships, uh, volunteer internships, internships of course. Um, and then we also had structured language classes twice a week, and optional history lessons, and then on Saturdays they always provided us with an, with an excursion. Okay. So, um, you took the language lessons, obviously. Mm -hmm. Did you take any history classes? Yeah, I attended a couple of them. You did. So, what was the internship part of it? Where did you intern? Yeah, so I interned at a couple of places. Uh, for a few months, I was at the Armenian Center for National and International Studies. Uh, I was with Armenia Tree Project, which is an environmental organization, and with EVN Report, which is a journalism magazine. Mm -hmm. So initially, um, for you, going there, and um, I'm assuming you went as a tourist, as a student maybe, but then you found yourself interning there. What were some of the difficulties that you experienced? What did you find to be challenging initially? Um, I guess what is still kind of challenging is this language barrier. Um, and then I didn't. I also didn't realize how much of a culture shock I would experience either. Tell yeah. us about the culture shock. <laughs> the culture shock. Well, there's. I guess I would say that there's a different mentality in Armenia than there is in the U.S. Um, at least what I experienced, and again, this is just my own experiences, I felt people were a lot more welcoming than what I'm used to, but that also could just be because I I didn't understand. <laughs> um, and they were just, I don't know, I just, but I always felt very welcomed, but of course, like, not to say that this isn't an issue here either, but there also is a lot of sexism in the country that I didn't, I'm not sure why I didn't think that it would exist, but it does. Um, and then, of course, maybe it's because I'm living in New York here, but there was a lot more nationalism in Armenia that, again, I probably should have expected, but mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize to what extent. So you find the, the sexism to be challenging, right? Yeah. And what about the nationalism? Mm, I mean, it's interesting. It's an interesting question because I understand where it comes from and I understand almost the need for it, given the... Uh, geopolitical situation in the country right now, but it's something that I still I still am trying to figure out for myself. So, I guess after a while, you kind of, I'm imagining you absorbed the cultural shock, and then you started to see things differently. Mm -hmm. So, um, you said initially, I did not know there was so much uh, about Armenian or Armenians to discover. What are some of the things that uh, you discovered during your stay there? Mm, I guess I just learned a lot more about Armenia as it is today. 
uh, especially since I also didn't realize that there was such a difference really between Western and Eastern Armenians. Uh, going there, I thought it would just be like the same culture, the same language, the same. I don't know why I thought that, but I really did think that it was the same language, the same culture that I grew up with here in New York. And going there, I realized that it's completely, I mean, I wouldn't say it's completely different, but there is a difference in language. And of course, they have experienced different, there have been different pushes and pulls on uh, the Hayastansis, I would say, just because like, even before like the, the split, I guess, that we all speak about, which is the genocide, even before that, like, the Western Armenians were living under the Ottoman Empire, Eastern Armenians were living under the Russian Empire, and then after that there was the whole diaspora movement, which each Armenian, each different Armenian sect, of course, has their own background and experiences in their current countries now, and then, of course, people in Armenia have experienced life under the Soviet Union, which is something that none of us could ever understand. Mm -hmm. You mentioned also about ex ex excursions. Where, where did you visit and what, what did you find to be exciting about those excursions? Yeah, so the excursions are very, they're very varied, varied, mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that we go to churches, we go to monuments, we also do fun little events, like sometimes we go to museums, sometimes we make dolma, we do cooking classes, there was gata, gata baking, um, I think we also, there was a ski trip, that was really fun, so, yeah. How is Armenia in wintertime? I've never been there in wintertime. Well, I think I came at a very specific moment in time for Armenian winters because everyone's been telling me, like, oh, this is such an anomaly, it's, it goes a heat wave. I, I didn't go to Armenia with a lot of winter clothes because I figured if I needed it, I would buy and every day I would go with a short sleeve under my sweater and, and of course a jacket. So it was not a typical winter? No, no. I was told that last year, like, they didn't see the sun for a month. And this year was just, it was springtime. <laughs> okay. That's good. So, um, go, going back to your internship, mm -hmm. about your experience as an intern, did you learn anything new? Did yeah. Did you acquire new skills? Oh, 100%. Tell us about that, those skills. Um... Okay, well, as someone who hasn't received a bachelor's degree yet, I still have two more years of college and I'm taking a year off now to just do this and have this experience. Uh, I learned a lot of, just like a lot of skills that you would need in the workplace, I suppose, like good communication skills. I also learned how to do various things with the computer that I didn't realize were important. Um, I learned, I mean, I've picked up some good research skills, but honestly what I loved the most about doing these internships was interacting with my coworkers and learning from them. Did you uh, make new friends? Almost? Oh, 100%, yeah. Was that a challenging experience or a smooth one? Very smooth. Yeah, people I, I are find, so kind. <laughs> I find them very friendly. Yeah, very, very easy. I always felt welcomed. That's very nice. So, you also mentioned that you're going back now. Mm -hmm. When are you going back? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow? You're yeah. <laughs> wow. And you, you're going to continue the, the program? Mm -hmm. For how long? Um, I'm not completely sure yet, but tentatively I would say mid-June. Okay. So you'll be spending almost a year in Armenia? Yep. 
you will be experiencing all four seasons there. Yeah, I'm excited. That, that's really good. Yeah. So, um, as someone who was born in the U.S., who who is Armenian and and is discovering more about her culture and her roots, what do you have to say to your cohorts today? If somebody asks you about this whole experience, what would you tell them? I guess I want you to address them and tell them, you know, what did you discover? How did you feel about it? And if you have any advice for them. Okay, well, I guess I would tell them that this is an amazing experience that I would recommend for any young Armenian person, uh, just because you can't really... I mean, people speak a lot about, oh, the motherland, Merhairenik, and... You don't really understand it until you actually go. Um, and you learn just so much more about yourself in doing so. I guess for advice, or what was what else would you want me, sure. you want me to Sure, advice say? or message to, to them. Advice or message, I guess, would be... So, during our orientation uh, for Birthright Armenia, something that I always remembered was when the coordinator said, you guys need to remember that Armenia is a real country with real people. It's not this idealized version that a lot of people here oftentimes speak about um, with almost sort of wistfulness. Um, I guess that's something that I would say people should remember if they do want to go. And advice? Um, just go with an open mind and an open heart. Things are not going to always be easy, and you're going to feel uncomfortable, but that's part of learning and growing. Absolutely. Alice, I wish you all the success in your journey back to the homeland. And I thank you very much for stopping by. And um, before I let you go, I want you to address us in Armenian and say something in Armenian so we, we oh, all can no. be proud that Alice was there and she learned Armenian. And now I speak the Eastern dialect. Go for it. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Whatever you want. Well, they say both Tadesutun and Hajjohutun, but I always really like Hajjohutun, so I guess I'll just give a Hajjoh. <laughs> all right. Hajjoh to all our, our listeners and special to you. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. It's time for our scripture reading and reflection, and today's reading is taken from St. Paul's Epistle to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Very short yet very powerful reading. Paul is reminding us about Christ's death and his resurrection. And this is part of the Pauline theology and his thinking. And this is something that, you know, symbolically it's implemented in our church during the time of baptism when we either dunk the kid um, in, in the font three times or we pour or sprinkle the water on top of their heads for three times. A lot of people think that that symbolizes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, but, that's what I always thought it was. But the deeper the theology is the three days of entombment of Jesus Christ and the new person 
rising with Christ. So Paul is encouraging us to concentrate on that reality, and he is, is encouraging us to set our hearts on things above and to set our minds on things above. We can spend a lifetime thinking about the earthly things, about the things that we want to achieve, about the things that are bothering us, and you know, forgetting our calling. We are called to share God's divine nature. God has called us to be like Him. And the only way for us to do that is to kind of raise above and start thinking about the divine things. And this is a great reminder for us during the time of Lent to start doing that. That's true. I, I guess that crystallized it for me when you said it's during Lenten season. It's a time for us to reflect and really think about things above, not on earthly things. And I think that's such a challenge for us in our day-to-day routines here. We focus on the immediate needs, the immediate needs of our families, our immediate sort of uh, enjoyment. Um, What are we gonna do on the weekends? Um, You know, that's the kind of thing, our vacations. So that's our focus. And I think that's a challenge for us to think more about, you know, I think there's a degree of deferred gratification, I guess, if that's, an appropriate term delaying gratification yeah, like basically thinking more about what comes in the future and what your focus should be in terms of your your life here on earth to make it pleasing to god so that you're rewarded in mm. the afterlife which is a very t- i mean that's a a tough amorphous concept i think for people to 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 swallow because the tangible the immediate the here is and right now. here it's what we can get here and you get that gratification mm-hmm. current but you know, for for us to achieve that, to start thinking about the divine things, we need to think about what is our purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And when we ask uh, people, "What's your purpose? What do you think your purpose is?" A lot of them they 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 think about their jobs, they think about mm-hmm. their roles in the family. I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm a husband, and wife, and child. But when we start thinking about our purpose, then probably the analogy that would be appropriate here, Veh, would be um is the analogy of the journey. We are on a journey, and the destination is very clear. And that is that is something that is reminded uh, to us during the sacrament of baptism. The journey starts, and the destination is the kingdom of heaven. So we want to make it there. What happens here in our daily life, all the troubles and the joys that we experience are kind of diversions. Um, we, we get off the exit, we want to get something, you know, as if we're taking uh, a typical journey, but eventually we need to get back on that ha- highway if we want to get out to our destination. Unfortunately, a lot of people do not realize that, and once they're off that exit, they think that they found a destination. So this scripture, today's reading, is a reminder of us that our destination is something that we need to focus on and not not be distracted by the earthly stuff are you distracted at the moment by the kids singing outside i am distracted by it but it's a beautiful distraction (laughs) the rehearsal of our dotevic choir choir is singing right now and our our audience can hear if the microphone sensitive enough sensitive enough to pick it up speaking about singing and hymns uh, let's introduce our hymn today i think we want to play harev elites which is a hymn that we sing during 
The Lenten season, Arevakal service, the sunrise service. It's a beautiful service. Um, I hope you will enjoy listening. I hope you enjoyed our episode today. I'd like to thank you for coming here and Greg for recording our show. Um, thanks to Anais for stopping by on her birthday right before her travel back to Armenia. I'd like to thank our sponsors and all our listeners. I pray that the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ will always be in your hearts. Amen. So the podcast is brought to you by Dr. Carlo Bayrak Darian. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode, please call the church office at 718-224-2275.